You're listening to Men of Abundance, episode 77. Welcome to Men of Abundance, the podcast for those looking to level up their lives by hanging out with some of the greatest leaders and established professionals in our community, living a life of integrity, honor, and the abundance mentality. Prepare to pay it forward with your host, former army medic turned lifestyle entrepreneur, Wally Carmichael. Aloha, men of abundance. I am excited to be here today, and I'm excited to introduce you to another amazing feature guest, Mr. Kenny Cannon. And as usual, before I introduce Kenny, I want to give you the opportunity to be abundant in your life today by simply sharing this episode, leaving a rating and review on iTunes. You know you can go and do that under the podcast player at menofabundance.com forward slash 077 if you're not already there. Go there, click on the link that says subscribe, make sure you're subscribed, and then leave a review. Not only does that help the show get found in the search engines, but it's validation for me. It lets me know that there's people out there listening. Yeah, I see the downloads, I can see the numbers, I can see people in 38 countries are downloading the podcast and listening to all of these amazing conversations. But I really love to hear from you, and one of the ways you can do that is to leave a rating and review telling me and everyone else around the world what you're getting out of these conversations on Men of Abundance. I truly appreciate it, and I read every single one of them. I truly appreciate that. Now, one more thing really quick before we bring out our featured guest, and that is I really want to hear from you. I want to know what I can do for you. What other subjects would you like to hear about? What things in your life do you feel that you would like to have enhanced? Is it your mindset, your relationships, your job, your vocation, your business, your health, fitness, whatever, your relationship with your kids, anything of that nature, I would love to hear from you. And you can do that a couple of ways. You can either go on the Facebook group at menofabundance.com and click on members only. You'll find access to our private Facebook group. You can reply underneath this podcast in the comments. Or if you want to be kind of anonymous and you want to just communicate directly with me, just send me an email to Wally at menofabundance.com. Let's communicate that way. I would love to hear from you, hear your thoughts, hear what you like about the show so far. But more importantly, I really want to hear what else can I do for you? What kind of guests can I bring you? What kind of subjects and conversations can we have? That's because I'm ultimately I'm here for you. So please reach out to me any way you see fit and let's have that conversation. So our feature guest today is the founder of LeadLoop.net, a company that helps medium-sized businesses generate qualified prospects and close more deals. He is a thought leader in the areas of marketing, sales, business expansion, copywriting, and information marketing. Kenny started his sales career at the age of 15 by answering an ad in a local paper for telemarketing position. By the age of 24, Kenny became one of the most well-known phone salespeople in the industry. Today, Kenny is one of the most sought-after sales and marketing consultants in the world. Through his seminars, training, and live streams, Kenny has helped over 100,000 salespeople, entrepreneurs, and high school and college students since 2007. Kenny loves to fish and shoot and is a die-hard Islanders fan. Now, I'm going to tell you right up front, Kenny and I get into a conversation about education once again, about the difference between traditional education 
and an education that's really going to make a difference in your bottom line. But this conversation is a little bit different than any other conversation I've had yet on this subject. So you're definitely going to want to pay attention and I certainly look forward to getting your feedback on this one. Men of Abundance, it's my pleasure to introduce you to Kenny Cannon. Kenny, welcome to Men of Abundance, man. How you doing? Pretty good, man. How are you? I'm doing great. Where are you at in the world? I am in Long Island, New York. Man, I, I say this every time. Some, I, I got a couple of folks that have been on the show from New York. I have not been there yet, but I've got some family down there on my wife's side. And man, I just got to get down to New York. Yeah, it's a nice place to visit. Terrible place to live. <laughs> you know, a lot of people say the same thing about where I'm at. I'm out here on the island of Oahu in Hawaii, and I can agree. It is. I've lived here for a total of nine years, but it's got its issues. It's got its pros and cons for sure. Yeah, especially when you, you know, I'm out on Long Island, but when you get into the city, it's just like, I mean, it's, I don't even like driving through there. I try to take the Staten Island route when I can. Yeah, it's funny. My son and I were just talking this weekend about that, and we are definitely not big city guys. I mean, I grew up in Phoenix, Arizona, which you could consider a big city, but it's spread out as opposed to New right. York. It's, you know, all everybody's all in one smaller, you know, gra- geographical location as opposed to Phoenix is just so spread out. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm basically I'm basically a redneck stuck on Long Island. I mean, I like to shoot, I like to fish, I like to you know drive on the beach in my truck and all that kind of stuff. So I'm I'm not a I'm not a New York guy at all. I was just I happen to be born and raised here. That's about it. Isn't that something? So they don't let you romp on the beach with with your uh, with your truck? Oh, they do, but it's very like regulated. You know, there's only certain. It's funny. I live on an island, and to go fishing, it's like I got to sneak through backyards and everything. It's crazy. You know, there's crazy. no access whatsoever and. Yeah, it's, it's terrible. The whole wow. thing is terrible. That's interesting. Well, before we get too much into the show, Kenny, I like to start my show basically the same way I start pretty much every single morning, and I'm really big on this. So I like to start with an attitude of gratitude. What do you have to be grateful for today? Well, it's per- the same thing I have to be grateful for pretty much every day is my ability to act regardless of how I feel and also my ability to model other people. I think those are the two things, you know, without those two things, I wouldn't be where I am today. So that's a really interesting answer. And I like it. Um, Can you expound on that? What do you mean specifically? Sure. Well, most people, they feel something and then they they do something and then they become something. So they feel hungry. They eat chips. They become a fat slob. Right. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's the basic model for everybody. Right. But if you if you become something first, like you become the successful person and then you act according to the successful person's way of acting, regardless of how you feel, then you're going to get close to those results. The only way you do that, though, is if you can act regardless of how you feel and you know who you're modeling, you know, the person that you're that you're going to use as the model for your map or, or your or like where you want to go is the best way to put it. Right. Very well put. I like that. So before we got started with the show here, give a very brief bio of who you are, what you're doing, and it is very brief, but because I like to hear directly from you. I like to, on Men of mm-hmm. Abundance, we like to get to know the person behind the abundance and the person right. behind the greatness. So let's get to know Kenny a little bit. Let's get a little bit personal. Listen, man, I mean, I'm a salesman. You know, the bio is the bio and the fancy words and the company names and everything else. I, that's all I am, man. I'm not an entrepreneur. I'm not a business person. I am a salesman. That's all I do. I don't care about anything else. I don't care about customer support. I don't care about product development. All I care about is selling stuff. That's it. And I've been doing that my whole entire life. Since I'm 15 years old, I started off selling cell phones, moved into the stock business, sold mortgages, sold cars, started my company in 2007. I actually got fired from the car business and then picked them up as my first client for my consulting company and then went on and you know started an information biz- publishing business and 
you know, now we're doing more consulting stuff in a different, a little bit of a different angle, but it, it's all, it's not about passion. It's not about what I love to do. It's not about what I wake up dreaming about every morning. It's about what can I sell to people that they are willing to buy and that they're willing to pay for right now. That's it. I dig it. You know, and, and we have the conversation. I recently had a conversation, in fact, with um, Billie Jean Shaw. And mm-hmm. uh, we had this conversation about sales and and what a salesperson truly is. And so many people don't realize that they themselves are, in fact, salespeople. Many people. I mean, just about everything you do in life, you have to be able to sell somebody on your perspective, you know, to right. date me or, or whatever the case may be. So... What would you define basically and for those that – because there's so many people out there that say, I'm not a salesperson, my wife for one. I'm not a salesperson or I hate sales. I can't do sales. What would you say to that right. person? Well, that's first of all, it's not true. Every single person in the world is a, is a born salesperson, every single person, and every person loves to do it. The problem is this. The problem is when you transition from your personal life to your business life. So what I mean is this. Your wife – does your wife like to read? Yeah, absolutely. Does she yeah. have like a favorite book or something? Uh, several. She reads a lot, okay, mostly so, novels and stuff like that. Right. So if she, if she had a book that she loved and she knew that I liked reading the same type of book that she likes to read and I never read the book that she loved, the first thing she would tell me is, you got to read this book, you got to read this book, you got to read this book, right? Mm-hmm. She's selling me something. Absolutely. It's the same process as what I do for a living. The only difference is, is that she actually loves the book, loves what she does. And that's with everybody, right? I mean, somebody goes to a pizza place they love. They know that your family likes pizza. They say, hey, you got to go here. You got to check it out. And then they say, oh, I'm not a salesperson. Well, they are. The problem is they can't transition that personal side into a business side. And I believe the main reason why they can't do that is because most people are selling stuff that they truly don't believe in. Now, that is not, most people will tell you you have to believe in the product you're selling. That's also a lie. That's not true. You don't have to believe in the product you're selling. I've sold hundreds of thousands of different stuff that I didn't believe in, the stuff I didn't even know about until I got on the phone with somebody. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to do that. But for most people, when they're starting off, you have to believe in what you're selling because you can't make that transition. And I think a lot of people, they pick up a PDF and they're like, oh, SEO is hot. Let me go cold call SEO people, for small businesses or whatever. They don't even know what they're talking about. They don't know what they're doing. They don't believe it's going to work. They're just trying to get money out of somebody and you know it ends up going bad. So in the beginning, you have to believe in what you're doing. Once you become an expert at selling, it doesn't matter. You can pick up a script as long as it's good and you can start calling within 20 minutes and you could be closing deals that day. It, it's really not that difficult. You just have to make that transition. Right. Now, you got your start, as I remember... You answered an ad for telemarketing. Is that when, yep. when you first got into what were you selling? Cell phones. I was selling. Yeah, I was selling cell phones uh, for a company called Voice Stream Wireless. It wasn't directly for the company; it was a distributor. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was a town called Brentwood in, on Long Island, and basically, it was an ad in the. I guess it was the paper or something, the Penny Saver, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And it basically said, you know, no experience wanted, unlimited income potential. And I'm like, all right, whatever. <laughs> Sounds good to me, right? As long as I'm not dealing drugs, it sounds good. Mm-hmm. So I went in there and I, you know, interviewed with the guy and he hired me on the spot. And of course, I thought I was a genius because I got hired the first time I went in. And then little did I know every salesperson gets hired as soon as they walk in the door. But um, yeah, I started like I guess it was the next day or two days later. I was terrible at it for the first thousand calls. And then I became one of the best people in the place. You know, I was working after school and $20 a phone. And he basically told me, here are your leads. You're going to read this piece of paper to these people, and every time they say yes, you get 20 bucks. I'm like, this is the greatest thing ever. And that was it. I just hammered away. Yeah, that's interesting that you said you got good at it or started getting good at it after the first thousand calls or so because 
that's a really quick turnover industry. That's why you got hired on the spot. And yep. most people quit after the first 10 or 100 if they make it to 100 uh, just because they can't handle the rejection and all the other things that goes along with that. What would you say to, as far as you're talking to a teenager, would you recommend that they go into that industry as one of their first vocations? I, I would recommend they go learn how to, how to sell stuff. I mean, whether it's that or something else. I mean, that's why I love, to a point, there are some things with this, but that's why I love things like the Girl Scouts when they sell cookies. Mm-hmm. You know, because a lot of that is the, this is probably the wrong way of putting it, but like a shame sale, like, oh, the little, little Girl Scout, let me just give her the money and get the cookie. So it's 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 a little bit different, but I, I, I think every, you know, teenager or whatever should get into some sort of sales, you know, job, whether it's Cutco knives or t- selling on the telephone, whatever. Anybody can walk into a telemarketing room and get hired on the spot, like we just said. So, yeah, it's a great place to start. I don't really care about the money when it comes to you know working with kids. The money doesn't make a difference. Just get in there and get in a room and feel the environment. That, to me, is the most important thing. Feel the environment. You can call from your house and make just as much money as you can from an office, but you don't have the environment in your home. So a lot of people that I work with, one of the first things I tell them is stop what you're doing at your house and go get a job for a week. And work in a room with a hundred other people that are calling with you. And that's going to, number one, get you over the fear of calling, which I never had. And number two, it's going to get you into that hypey mode. And a lot of people don't like hype, but hype does sell. And when it's when it's in a room of a hundred people and they're all hyping together, it's just an environment and it pushes you forward. Again, you bring up a very good point. And when you said that don't worry about the money, just get in the room. That is the same exact thing I told my oldest boy and my my 17-year-old, my oldest is 22, when he started getting into the job force, I said, look, don't go there. I know you want the money. I know that's what's attracting you. But listen, it's gonna the payoff is paying attention to the employees, the system, the managers, the good ones and the bad ones, and watching what they do. And then pick and choose, you know, basically what you like out of each of those individuals because, and I'm gearing more towards leadership as opposed to salesmanship, but that's what I wanted him to get out of the experience. And the same thing with my 17-year-old. He was working at a Pizza Hut call center. Mm-hmm. And, you know, not a whole lot of rejection, but although you, you would be amazed at some of the people that call these call centers. Um, but uh, he would come home with a different story all the time. But I said, that's awesome. Your customer service and sales are just extremely important because you're dealing with people. And right. that once you can learn how to deal with people and manage and handle people they're, when they're pissed off or, you know, whatever the case may be, the payoff is huge, especially as a young man getting into the job force. You know, it's, <laughs> this is a kind of a funny story, but it's interesting that you say that about the pissed off people because I, between the mortgage business, I went down to 2006, so that's when I left. But between the mortgage business and the car business, the car business was the first time I ever sold in person. And I had no clue how to handle somebody face-to-face. So what I did to learn how to do that was I got a job at Fridays for a week serving food. And I purposely screwed up everybody's order. And I pissed them off on purpose. And I ended up getting fired after five five (laughs) days, whatever it was. But I just wanted to learn how to deal with somebody who was irate in person. I've dealt with it over the phone thousands of times, but I never dealt with it face-to-face. And I had to learn how to do that before I walked into the car business and started selling $20,000, $30,000 cars. So... That's what I did. And, and, and it's like you said, it's not about the money, you know, especially in the beginning when you're learning something. It's not about the money. It's about getting in the environment and, you know, really trying to pick up something from that environment. Exactly. Absolutely. So, you know, along the way, I, and I've seen some of the stuff that you're doing. I love what you're doing. We're going to get into it in just a minute about what you do specifically with the kids. 
I, I just absolutely love what you're doing there. But along the way and everything that you've done so far, everybody I've talked to always has at least one or two or several hundred kick in the gut moments, something that just took them to their knees for whatever reason. If you have a story like that, whether it's business, personal, something like that, I'd love to hear that story. Right. I, I Really, two of them come to mind. Um, the first one we were kind of talking about before we went on air here, but it's it's when I was in high school, I was at the phone place. I was selling phones at the over the telephone. And I remember this like it was yesterday. I was sitting in my science class. My science teacher was named his Mr. Thiel was his name. He had one thumb because he cut one off in a science experiment. True story. <laughs> and I'm sitting there cutting open a frog and I'm sitting and saying to myself, I know what I want to do. Why am I doing this? And I'm not giving advice to anybody here because I don't think this is right for most people. But I left high school the next day. It was my last. It was one of my last days, like two days later, whatever it was. I dropped out. Now, I ended up getting a GED and going back to college later on in life. But at that moment, I knew that's what I wanted. And I, that's that's kind of like when I was just smacked in the face by it. And like, hey, you got to wake up and you got to do this now. That's the first time. The second time was probably about 10 or 15 years later. I was sitting in Mike Phil Sam's office. I don't know if he's a big internet marketing guy. And um, sitting there working in one of his conference rooms, he comes walking in the room. And he starts drawing on the board, a big whiteboard, and he starts making all these boxes and like writing all this stuff down. And I didn't know what was going on. And he came to me and he's like, we're going to do a webinar this Wednesday to my list, and that's what you're going to sell. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and I didn't think I was going to do well because I had never done a webinar before. But I actually went on the webinar and we made, I think it was like $35,000 in an hour and a half. And that was the biggest smack in the face of my life because then I had to actually produce whatever the hell he drew on the board, which I didn't know what it was. So... Those are two that kind of stand out. There were probably other little ones, but those are the two that really stand out. Yeah, I'm sure there were. What did you end up going to college for? I just went for like, I have 30 credits. I mean, I went for like liberal arts or whatever. <laughs> just, yeah, I just felt like I should do it, you know, just to prove to myself that I could. So, but that was it. And then I just, I left after that. But. Well, yeah, I mean, I bring that up because I have this conversation quite often here on, on the show and about education in itself. And I'm not completely against traditional education. There's a purpose for it, depending on what your vocation is, what your dreams and goals and aspirations are in life. Got it. But if you're somebody like yourself and you just know that that's not what you want to do, it just drives me nuts that we're still teaching our children. Yeah, I, I get exposing them to various different things, see what they like, see what they don't like. But once you realize you don't like a particular subject and you're not going to do that as a vocation for the rest of your life, why take the time and learn it when you can go out and take any number of courses and especially today's day and age there's so many courses that are online by people that are doing what they do what they teach why spend eighty thousand dollars and four years of your life to go to college to learn something that you're probably going to get a thirty thousand dollar a year at best job working for somebody else if you have the aspirations to be an entrepreneur or to go make money on your own whatever you want to call it yeah, I mean, I, listen, I agree. I'm not totally against it. I do think, though, that if you're going to go to college, you might as well do something that's, you know, virtually guaranteeing you at least a six-figure income. Go to be a doctor, go to be a lawyer, go to be an engineer, something like that. Um, I think the best option in the world is the military, to be honest with you. I didn't do it because I can't see that well, but um, I tried to be a police officer as well and can't see, but... You know, I think that's, you know, it installs discipline in the kids, and I think kids need that today more than ever. Discipline is like lacking all over the place. And it also works on a whole bunch. I mean, you went through it. Mm -hmm. I didn't. But I mean, you know, I, I know a lot of people that did, and, and I just see the discipline that 
they have, and, it, and I think that that goes a long way. When you when you have someone who's protesting in the street because they don't want to work for fifteen dollars an hour, the military guys like, dude, get up and do your job. Yeah. And I like that, you know. And I think that when you start that at a young age, seventeen, eighteen years old, that goes a long way. Yeah, you you hit it spot on, absolutely. Now you started to build a program, or you did build a program for kids that you. As I remember right, you tried to get it, you, you had an idea, or you started to get it into the school system, but it just didn't work out. Can you talk on that a little bit? Yeah, it didn't work out because of politics. and I mean, it, again, I'm in New York. You know, it's like the worst place in the world. But yeah, that's one of the reasons why. The other reason why is because I was trying to teach it to, to like, I don't want to call the bad kids, but they were on the lower end of the spectrum when it comes to learning and all that stuff. And they were in a rough neighborhood and all that. And they ended up doing really bad stuff with the stuff that I taught them. They, it worked really well, but they were just selling the stuff that they shouldn't be selling. Let's just put it that way. Um, but yeah, I mean, now I work basically one-on-one -on -one with, with people. And I think, it, you know, I could choose the people that I work with. So it's a little bit easier and it tends to work out better because I can, you know, kind of take the program and just make it, for that one particular person. And it's interesting because I took that same program and turned it into a program for small businesses and it works just as well for them. So That's interesting. And the, the point that I get from that is with those kids that were in a bad situation, I wouldn't label them as bad kids, but I, I grew up in a very, very rough environment. You know, some, some of my friends went off to jail and prison and still there and some of them didn't make it and you know many of us are doing pretty well at this point but we were just in a bad in a, in a bad situation that's the way i see it but what you teach can obviously be applied anywhere whether it's bad or good and that goes on the whole premise of you know what you do with your money can be bad or good as well either way i commend you for trying to do that why were you specifically reaching out to those type of kids well, because I just I thought that they had the smallest chance of success, you know, I, you know, either that or I mean, I don't know, a lot of them, a lot of them that come from areas like that, you, you'll have one that is, you know, wildly successful, 99.9% .9 of them are dead or in jail by the time they're like 25 or whatever. And then you'll have that one that's like a massive success. I, I wanted to kind of I, I don't want to call it equalize because I don't think that's the right word, but I wanted to kind of make that gap a little bit smaller maybe not have someone become a billionaire but have someone make you know a living so that they can get out of that neighborhood or improve their neighborhood that they're in you know because i definitely believe in that i mean don't leave the area that you're in try to improve the area that you're in oh wow that's a pretty big task in many cases yeah it's tough it's not easy yeah absolutely what was the basically that pivot point in your life to where i mean you started out in sales at the age of 15 basically mm-hmm I was selling way before that, but that's when I got my first show. Yeah, I mean, I was too. I, when I was a little guy, I was basically going door to door, selling candy door to door. But yeah, for for me, it was it was much more. I mean, I wasn't really doing any kind of that. Like, I wasn't selling door to door or anything like that. For me, it was like, you know, convincing my teacher that I don't have to come to class and I could just show up for the test. You know, that that influencing more when I was twelve. You know what I mean? Thirteen years old, convincing my doctor that I don't need a blood test today because I don't want to get my finger pricked. Or I don't need a throat culture because I'm afraid of gagging. And like I'm convincing people when I'm 10 years old, I'm negotiating with doctors and teachers and principals and all that. And I, like I said, I did that my whole entire life. It was just like in me from the time I was born. And when most of us think back, I, when you're saying that, I'm thinking of my seven-year-old now. 
who, yep. you know, he, he's negotiating that he doesn't want to eat something specific for dinner, doesn't want to finish right. everything that's on his plate. He's he's actively negotiating that. That's pretty brilliant. And, and yeah. kids do that, and they have that. And then somewhere along the line, as we grow up, we gain a fear to that. And I have a, I think it has a lot to do with just the way that, you know, in school they're told to shut up and sit down and learn this, and you don't have a choice in the matter and, and stuff like that. So they basically just kind of lose that drive to to do that yeah i think it's that i think i think it's it's parenting's the, the biggest thing i mean every every parent in the world every parent teacher guidance counselor psychiatrist psychologist you know some are good some are bad but they all say one thing in common and that's don't talk to strangers mm. well strangers have everything that we want we're told that since we're two years old don't take candy from strangers don't talk to strangers don't look in their direction hold my hand like all i do is talk to strangers because they have all the money that i need so why why i'm not going to talk to my family they're all broke I want to talk to strangers because they have money. Right. And, and that's one of the things that we teach our kids from the time they're two or three years old. And obviously there's there's good intentions there, right? I'm not telling my kid to run around in the, in the street and, you know, what a flag cars down or whatever. But, I mean, you know, at some point you have to cut that off and start leading them towards, like, like, you, like you said, door to door and, you know, whatever it is. But get them out of that comfort zone and try to build a new comfort zone so that they are comfortable dialing the phone or knocking on doors or prospecting or however you want to put it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And there's other great ideas that you can do out there as well. Some of the things that I've done is, you know, tell my one of my boys or tell my boys, look, it's time to clean out the closet. It's time to get some of these toys you're not playing with anymore. And instead of just throwing them away, it's, it's a nice thing to go donate them and give them to somebody. But the other thing that you can do with some of the higher dollar ones is put them on Craigslist or put them on, on now they got the Facebook buy, sell, trade type of stuff. And and learn how to sell that stuff. Learn, you know, learn how to write the write up a little script or something like that. Describe the product. It, you know, right. come up with a price point. How much do you want to sell? Or even go door to door and say, "Hey, I'll clean your car," or something yep. like that. You know, and and my son, my my oldest, he was really good at computers and Mac. And he, matter of fact, he turned his his PC into a Mac and stuff like that. It was a Dell, and he started a business. He promoted on Facebook. And I think on Craigslist, and I would actually take him to the house where he would either repair somebody's computer or he would teach them. What he was doing was teaching them how to do whatever certain program or something like that. And he would, you know, charge by the hour. But I would, of course, I'd be outside, you know, I'd meet the guy Mm and I'll be out here, you know, listening to the radio, listen to a podcast or something like that. And uh, I just thought it was a great thing. And he came up with that idea. Yeah, I mean, listen, if, there, if if somebody, I always tell people that I work with, don't become an expert in anything unless you're going to become an expert in selling stuff because I think that you can always hire out all the technical stuff. But if you're really good at technology or whatever, I'm not good at that stuff at all. But if you're really good at that stuff and you know how to sell it, then you're in a really good spot. I think most people, though, they're really good at search engine optimization or programming or whatever. But, I mean, these guys can't couldn't close a door if it's sitting right in front of their face, you know? So yeah. they're terrible at selling stuff, but they're really good at the technology side of it. And what happens is they walk into a plumber's office, they start talking about Panda and Penguin updates and backlinks, and the guy's like, dude, I fix pipes. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I walk in there, I'm like, I'm going to bring you in more broken toilets. And they're like, okay, let's do it. Because mm-hmm. I'm a salesman. I don't know the technology stuff, but I can mm-hmm. hire someone that does. Yeah, it makes sense. Absolutely. And I'm all for that as well. So let's talk a little bit about your program. I'm very interested in your program and what you do. I know you work with adults as well. What specifically is, describe a little bit about your program that you use when you're working with the kids. With the kids, it's very simple. And it's it's the same thing, really. But it's the same thing for everybody. But with the kids, it's just a little bit more, I guess, 
I don't know. I don't, I don't want to say easier. It's just different. So there's really five things that I do. Number one, prospect. Number two, pitch. Number three, close. Number four, provide. Number five, preserve. Those are the five things. If you're not doing one of those five things, then you're wasting your time. Like I think building a website is a complete waste of time. Complete waste of time because it doesn't fit one of those five things. Now, if you're making a million dollars a year in your business, you want to build a website, that's fine. My company still doesn't have a website today. We've been in business since 2017, uh, since 2007, 10 years, and we never will have one because we don't need one. All of our stuff is done through the telephone. So prospect, pitch, close, provide, preserve. You have to prospect all the time. Bringing people from cold to warm is the most important thing ever. If you can't do that, then you're screwed. It's over. After you do that, once they're once they're once they go from cold to warm, they know who you are. You have to pitch them and you have to pitch them hard. This is where the belief comes in we were talking about before. If you're new to sales and you don't believe what you're selling, you're not going to be able to pitch them hard enough to close them in step number 3. And if you can't close them, you can't provide anything, which is what you're getting paid for. And if you can't provide anything, then you can't provide greatness, and if you can't provide greatness, you're never going to preserve anything that you just gained. Well, it sounds about as simple as it is. Yeah, I mean it's re- it's really not that difficult. You know, people make it seem difficult. They they want to get into technology and stuff like that. I don't I don't do any of that stuff though. I mean, I think social media is a waste of time, complete waste of time. I think Facebook is a joke. I think all that's a listen. Everybody wants to build an email list. You got a phone book right in front of you. Mm-hmm. What are you What are you doing? The, the The open rates, and I did a study on this. The open rates in an email list are the exact same as the contact ratio I get on the telephone. So why am I going to waste my time? I mean, I have an email list, but why am I going to waste my time spending money and all this stuff, building an opt-in form and all this other, when I could just call people? To me, it doesn't make any sense. There's never going to be an update to the phone book that shuts my telephone down. But there will be an update to Facebook that shuts your opt-in form down and Google and everything else. It happens all the time. Yeah, all the time, several times a year. Yeah. Yeah, um, you know, it's very interesting we're having this conversation because this really is completely contrary to everything that I've learned about sales and marketing and, and business, especially over the last 10 years or so. I mean, everything is about sales funnels and SEO, you know, search engine optimization, Google searches, all this other kind of stuff. What do you, what platform are you using, so on and so forth. And I admit I'm all caught up in all of that. So I'm very intrigued in learning more about specifically what you're doing because I've done the whole cold calls. I have no problem calling people and doing right. stuff like that. It's stuff that as long as I'm, you know, know what I'm talking about. Like you said, I don't have to be passionate about it. I just got to know what I'm talking about. So it's very refreshing to have this conversation. Yeah, I th- I think the reason why that is is because, you know, you're I, I think a lot of people out there that I look up to and that I like friends of a Russell Brunson, Mike Phil saying all these people, the internet marketing crowd, they understand that ninety nine point nine percent of people are not like me. They're not gonna pick up the phone, they're not gonna knock on doors, they're not gonna sit in a meeting. They want the hands off, hide in your living room under, you know, under the blanket, shades drawn type of deal. They're scared to death to do anything. They don't even want to leave the house. You know, words are, are, are causing people to commit suicide. It's insane. People are so offended by everything. They realize that. So what they do is they put together products and programs where you can get a similar result, even though it's not as good as what I can get on the telephone. You can get a similar result by using things where you can hide under your desk all day. I think that's weakness, but I mean, whatever works, right? No, it's a mean, very good you know, point. For- well, they also know, unfortunately that uh, the, probably the same percentage, 90-some-odd percent, aren't going to do anything with their, right. with their uh, you know, like Russell Brunson. I know him well. well. I don't know him personally, but I know of him. I've got his books. I've, you know, yep. been through a lot of his stuff. And same thing. 
90% of the people that purchase his products and stuff are never going to do anything with it anyway. You know, yep. he's making the money off the tools. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like the gold rush. He's a fantastic guy, fantastic mm -hmm. salesperson, and I use a lot of his stuff. I use ClickFunnels. I read his book, mm -hmm. and he's a great guy. I'm not saying what he's doing is wrong, right. but what I am saying is that they it's probably better than what I do because they can they realize that their market is they don't want to do what I do. See, I'm trying mm -hmm. to push what I do into the market. When people I know, I know people don't want to do what I do. I get it, right? They're like, listen, I'm not even going to mess with that stuff because I know they don't like it. I'm just going to go with what people want, and, and that's it. But I like to do things that I know 100% guarantee work every single time. For those who are willing to do what you do and and mm -hmm. get good at it, then the payoff's huge because the market in that area is very low. As far as as right. far as the, you know, who else is doing what they're doing? The pay yeah, right. The payoff is huge too because once you learn how to do what I do, you never have to worry about money again in your life. Yeah, very good. And point. that's true freedom. It's not necessarily about how much you have in the bank account. It's knowing that I could lose it all tomorrow and get a job in a car showroom the next day and be making $3,000 a week that week. Yeah, that's huge. And it doesn't it's not a sales funnel. It's not it's not ClickBank, it's not PayPal, it's not it's not Facebook ads. Mm -hmm. It's me knowing how to influence other people. And it's a process. It's not me just guessing. It's not a random conversation. It's a process that mm -hmm. I use. And it's a process that a lot of people, it's not me, you know, it's a process that a lot of people use. Right. No, it is. Absolutely. The most well-paid profession in the world is sales. There's no doubt yep. about it. It doesn't matter what you're selling. This is by That's far true. the biggest uh, paid occupation. So, Kenny, at this point, we're going to pay it forward to our abundant leaders. You ready to do that? Sure. Awesome. So give men of abundance one to three actionable steps that they can take today. Well, it would be it would be probably four, but prospect, prospect number one. We can break them down if you want. Prospect mm -hmm. number one. You have to pitch, and you have to pitch hard. I am, a, I am a very big proponent of pressure all the time. Then you have to close like a crazy person. Again, pressure. I'm a big fan of pressure. You have to put pressure on people to buy your stuff. And then you got to provide it at the end of it. Those are the four things. And one and two are the two biggest, right? One would be the most important thing in your life. Because again, if you could bring people from cold to warm, you're 90% of the way there. If I'm selling cars and I could find people that just got into an accident and got the insurance check, I'm golden, right? I'm not gonna stand in the mall saying who wants a car, who wants a car, who wants a car, that's crazy, okay? But what I will do, if I can prospect well and find the people who actually need the car, can afford it and can make a decision right now, I'm 90% of the way there. I don't have to be an expert closer to do that. I gotta prospect well. So that would be number one. You have to pitch and you have to pressure people into buying your stuff. You have to close and you have to pressure even harder and then you have to provide more than what you promised. But don't over, don't under promise over deliver. That's stupid. Mm -hmm. Promise the world and then deliver even more than what you promised. Agreed. I do agree with that. I've heard that many times and I've always thought the same way. So I want to get a little bit more into that. How would, how would that look? How would one and two look? Let's use the car analogy for instance. Your car now? Okay, perfect. Perfect example. So when I sold cars... The way that I sold cars, and this is how I got my first consulting gig, the way I sold cars was I said, okay, where can I find people who want to buy new cars? That's the first thing I said to myself. And I said, okay, well, obviously, if somebody's selling a car, they probably need a new one. They, most of them probably bought a new one already. That's why they're selling the old one. But some of them are probably going to want a new one, right? I can spend my time waiting for the dealership to bring me in leads, or I can be proactive and I can find people who are selling their car. So I went at Craigslist on Long Island where I live. 
and I started cold calling all the people that were selling their car. And I said, hey, I see your 2001 Honda Civic listed on Craigslist. It's for 3,500 bucks. Bring it here and I can give you more guaranteed. Now, not all those people bought cars, but I was proactively bringing leads in, right? And some of them, maybe 10% of them that came in would say, wow, okay, you, I had it listed for 3,500. You guys gave me four and I can get into a brand new Hyundai Elantra for 250 a month. Let's do the deal. Okay, so that, that's, that's kind of all of it. But the prospecting is where can I find the people? Where do they congregate? And then how do I get in front of them? Okay, that, I like that. So how would that look in the case of, say, just some random product that somebody has access to or or something like that you have an example like that well yeah you'd have to kind of give me what the product is though or the service and then i could tell you like how it would work something that for instance a kid would be would have access to so like legos or something possibly yeah all right so i mean if you wanted to sell if you wanted to sell like your own version of legos that's a really tough one because it's a two-part process but basically what you would have to do is you would have to first get in front of the parents and then convince the parents that your toy is somehow better or different or more efficient than what they're currently using. Then you have to do the job of selling it to the kid. And you could do that either way. You could sell it to the kid first and the parent second or the parent first and the kid second. But you have that's what you have to do. So it's the same thing. Where are these people? Where do they congregate? Where do they go? Okay, so what I'm going to do first is I'm going to say, okay, I know that they watch things like Nick Jr. I know they watch things like Noggin. I know they watch things like door of the explore all these different things i know this is where they're going i know they're going to the bounce places to have birthday parties i know they're going to the local playground and all sorts of stuff and i'm going to start looking at where they congregate where are moms because dads don't care most of them and where are the kids where are they hanging out and then that's where i'm going to start prospecting right there hmm. yeah very good point another place that a lot of kids spend a lot of time at and i know this from my little guy is they watch a lot of youtube they mm -hmm. watch a lot of these toy openings and, and different toys and stuff like that. What the, the little animated things that people do with um, animated figures and stuff. They watch a lot of yep. those videos. Hours and hours of those videos. Very interesting. That's a good point. So what daily habits make up the biggest impact in your life? Well, I cold call every day. It's about the only habit that I have. What book would you recommend to our abundant leaders and why or even our kids? Oh, uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's a good question. I don't read all that much. I would say probably, uh, if I had to put one, probably uh, Millionaire Fastlane by MJ DeMarco, I guess. I don't I don't read a lot of sales stuff because I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. When I was when I was 15, I sold from when I was 15 till the time I was 23 years old and never had a fear of the telephone once in my life. I would call anybody, didn't care who it was. When I, went, when I was 23 years old, we, went, we got put through a sales training program. And the first day of the sales training program was how to get over the fear of selling. And we all looked at each other like, like the guy was crazy. Like, what do you mean? People are actually afraid to do this stuff? For the next week, we were all afraid to call people. <laughs> it put the thought in our head that we should be afraid and we should have something to fear. And we were all afraid and we got over it. But I'm just saying, that was the first. So I don't, I don't like to get into, like, I have my pitch that I've been using for 20 years. I, I, okay, fine, it works, whatever. Like, I don't, I don't really pay attention to all the other stuff because what I do is just for me and the people that I teach, it works. It might not be the best, but it's better than a lot of other stuff out there. So I don't like to, I don't like to read new stuff on sales because I think it's just going to poison my mind. Makes sense. If it works, don't try to fix it and keep doing more of that. Yeah. I mean, if you really want to, I mean, a book, I would have probably named like a fishing book because that's what I read. I don't, <laughs> I don't read business stuff. You know, I read like shoot it like... Marcus Luttrell, Lone Survivor, is probably the best book I could recommend. You want to learn what a crappy day is like or a crappy week? 
there you go. Ain't that the truth? Yeah, very good point. Yeah, I dig that, and I love your honesty on that. I really do. Two more questions. Sure. What do you think that holds, and in this case, I would normally say, what do you think holds most people back from living their life of abundance? And you can answer it that way, or what do you think holds most people back from getting into sales? Well, I think on both parts, it's the same thing. I think that people nowadays are, they want to push blame off to other people as opposed to taking it all on themselves, you know? And that, that goes, it goes both ways, right? There are some people who are like, oh, well, you know, this person is, you know, in power now or whatever, so everything's going to be great. And then there's other people that say, this person's in power now, so everything is, the whole world's going to blow up. And I'm like, how about you just go to work? Like, what, like, it doesn't even matter. Like, what they're doing, they could go on vacation for the whole entire four years, and it's not even going to make a difference to any of us. And I think that's the biggest thing. People try to blame other people for their failures, and then when they succeed, they're like, hey, look at me. You got to take both sides of it. If you fail, you fail. If you succeed, run with it. That's cool. But you got to take both sides of it. And I think that's the biggest thing. People are unwilling to, they just want to be victims because it's so much easier to live that lifestyle, I guess. And it is. I, listen, I'll be honest. If you, if I could be a victim my whole entire life and make millions of dollars, that would be great. But you can't do that. So it's easier to live as a victim, but victims never win. Victims are always losers. I'm not saying they're always wrong, and sometimes it's not their fault. But by definition, a victim is is the loser in the in in the the equation. So, what does living a life of abundance mean to you? Being able to do what I want when I want with who I want to do it with. Excellent. I love it. That's as simple as it gets, and that's pretty much my answer as well, just about every time. There's a lot more as far as I'm concerned, but that is the simplest answer, and I love it. Yeah, it's not about the money. It's about, you know, I think people need a different number. Everyone needs a different number. Everyone wants to make millions of dollars, but in reality, I think most people, I'm not suggesting people do this, but most people, if they made 80 to 120 grand a year and they worked four or five hours a day, they'd be good. Yeah. I don't think that's a good goal, though. I'm not saying it is. I'm not saying that's a good thing to shoot for. But what I am saying, I think most people overcomplicate it, like I've been saying this whole time. And I think that they look at a million dollars and like, oh, wow, $83,333 a month. That's a lot. But when they realize if they just made that in a year and they replaced their job income and they only had to work four or five hours a week, whatever they have to do to get there, I don't know what that is. But whatever it is, I think most of them would be all right. So it's not as big or as hard as most people think. Yeah, and the other thing about that is, is what I've found anyway, and many of the people I've talked to, and, and I've seen this, is when you're shooting for a number, when you reach that number, you're going to you're gonna try to shoot for another number. So, right. like you said, it's not about the number, it's not about the, the money and how much you're making, but it's about the lifestyle. And that's one of the things I constantly tell my boys the other thing is, is look, figure out the lifestyle that you want to live, make it realistic, and then find a vocation that is going to get you that lifestyle. I think the lifestyle though and the number has to match and a lot of people don't they, they don't get that, right? Like a lot of and it, part of that is people like it, it's our fault, my fault, right? Because of the way that things are sold today. I'm not saying I do this, but a lot of people do and it's like, you know, they have the image of the guy on the beach with the martini and the laptop with the Ferrari behind him. You can have the lifestyle where you go on to go to the beach every day for six hours a day and you work for four hours a day. You can have that lifestyle, but don't expect to make $10 million a year. It's just not going to happen. So, so the number and the lifestyle have to match. If you want to live the lifestyle where you can travel the world and do all that stuff and you're okay with 80 to 90 grand a year or 100 grand a year, fine, right? But if you want to make five, six, seven, ten million $10 million a year and you want to work three hours a day, 
it's just, I mean, listen, Mark Zuckerberg's one of the richest people in the world. The guy works like an animal. All these guys do. So, I mean, it's, you know, Tim Ferriss wrote, wrote the four-hour work week or whatever it was called, and the guy works 15 hours a day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So. Very good point. You're absolutely correct. I've read that. Yeah, I follow Tim, and I've read that as well, and he does work. Uh, Another very good guy, fellow, yeah. fellow, fellow Long Islander. Yeah, he's a great guy. He really is. He was out here in Hawaii just recently. I saw him posting this oh, yeah. stuff. We didn't get a chance to connect, but maybe another time. All right, man. I really appreciate your time. I want to uh, thank you for coming out and uh, sharing your wisdom and sharing your, your, your concepts and everything with Men of Abundance. Uh, I'd love for you to leave us with a parting piece of guidance and any way that we can reach you and find out more about you. The only thing I could say is, like, I mean, like I've been saying, man, if you can prospect, if you can bring people from cold to warm, 90% of your problems are solved because money and sales solve all problems. I hate the guy, but Mark Cuban said that. Money and sales solve all problems. So if you can bring cold people, people that don't know you, into your into your world, and that's all you do, a lot of those people, not a big percentage, but some of those people are going to turn into sales. That's only the only thing you should be focusing on is bringing people from cold to warm if you're a business person. That's it. If you're not a business person and you whatever, you're just living life, whatever it is, the piece of advice I'd give you is stop being a victim. The world's not going to end. Everything's fine. Get up and go to work. That's it. I love it. How can we reach you? Uh, I just Kenny Cannon uh, at Kenny Cannon on Twitter, Kenny Cannon ninety eight on Facebook. My website is KennyCannon.com. Excellent. And I'll put all of that. I'll have all of those links lined up in the show notes, guys. So you don't have to sit there and write all of that down. That'll be at MenOfAbundance.com, and uh, that's where you can find everything in the show notes. Kenny, I truly appreciate your time, man, and uh, it's been a great conversation. Thanks, man. It was a lot of fun. All right, men of abundance, I warned you up front. I told you this was going to be a different conversation, and it certainly was. It's a little bit controversial. So I'd love to hear what your feedback is on that. I don't like to have this one-way conversation. I really like to have these conversations with you. So as usual, I'm going to go ahead and post this over on our private Facebook group, and you can get access to that by going to menofabundance.com. Then click on members only at the top of the page. Scroll down to the button at the bottom that says join our community. And I'll give you access to our private Facebook community. Now, go out and live your life of abundance and make sure to pay it forward. That's all for today, Abundance Leaders. For more about our guests and the powerful information we shared with you today, be sure to sign up for our mailing list at menofabundance.com. We appreciate your time and look forward to hanging out with you on our next episode. So until then, be sure to pay it forward and live your life of abundance.